Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. The big summer blockbuster sort of came back and then died again. We managed to find a city with an open theater to experience Christopher Nolan's big budget brain bender. But did we get it? Along the way, you'll get spoilers for Tenet and Inception. Some stuff happened in the world for a few months, continues to happen in the world, and yada, 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 everything in the world shut down, yada, 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 the film industry dang near collapsed, and then yada, 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 a few movie theaters opened up back around the country. They were having something of a standoff with the film studios being like, you give us the next big blockbuster, which was at the time going to be Christopher Nolan's Tenet movie. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was like a trailer for it running before some other big summer movie we went and saw. Does anyone remember what that was? Uh, nope, I don't remember. I only it's saw been the, so long. I only saw the trailer like a week before it came out. There was a, like a, a non-trailer trailer that played before some big movie we went and saw. Maybe it was a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie. And it was just footage of the lead character like walking into a room and, and firing a gun or something. And then it was like, Christopher Nolan. And you're like, that. Yeah. clearly this was the first day of shooting and that's what they had. Hey, so but we were sold. They were advertising this movie for a long time. They knew that it was going to be a big moneymaker. The movie theaters were like, give us Tenet and we'll open. And the studios were like, open and we'll give you Tenet. And they went, they did this dance from literally months where they're like, "It's we're going to open. Never mind, we're not going to open. Well, then... We're not giving you the movie. We're giving you the movie. Okay, well, we're opening then. Never mind, we're not giving you the movie. Well, then we're not opening. And on and on it went. But finally, somehow, some movie theaters opened in states where movie theaters are allowed to be open, or rather counties within states where movie theaters are allowed to be open. And those movie theaters got access to a handful of new movies, among which were the Bill and Ted threequel, mm. which is uh, an episode unto itself. And uh, some Russell Crowe movie, Unhinged. Yeah, and the in the Marvel one, right? The Marvel? Oh, well. New Mutants. The Marvel, in quotation marks, X-Men horror yeah. movie, New Mutants. Mm. And Tenet. Uh, and so a few of us got into cars and we drove about an hour to a different city in a different state to see Christopher Nolan's Tenet on the big screen. Patrick, you saw Tenet. I did, yep. You rode in a car all that way? It wasn't so bad. No, it wasn't so bad. I rode in a car with a bunch of people who were usually on the show, and it was a fun time. And uh, Peter Nikiforov's here. That's right. I'm here, and I drove also in a car and watched Tenet. It was glorious. Just getting back to the theater was glorious. Uh, question for you, Josh. Uh, the movie companies... Weren't they? Weren't there some battle besides Tenet? Weren't they saying in general like that certain movies were planned to be released to like streaming services, and they were like, "You can't do that." If yeah, you, oh, what, yeah. It started with the uh, Trollgate that no one actually called it that. I'm calling it that now. Trolls Two is I think Sony uh, Animation Universal. Universal is that right? It's the uh, Universal does it. It's not Sony. Is that right? That doesn't sound right. Anyway, the the studio that has Trolls, uh, right when the lockdown first began, uh, Pixar had Disney Pixar had just released Onward, 
before we knew everything was going to get shut down and the release was severely hampered by the experience. It was the last thing I saw in a theater before the theaters closed the weekend of the first lockdown. And the studio started to panic and be like, oh, we had movies that were coming out, obviously, this weekend and the next weekend. So one by one, they started to pull things off the slate. Quiet Place 2 got pulled off the calendar, uh, much to the chagrin of everyone. And indefinitely. DreamWorks. Oh, man, I was going to say that, but I'm like, I don't know anything about. You could have been right. You could have been right and impressive. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember the whole moon thing guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because there's a troll in the movie. So some people were, uh, some, they're like, oh, we'll push it. We're just going to push it back a couple of months or something like that. But other, you know, Quiet Place 2, they were like, it'll, we don't know. It'll come out when it comes out. Still hasn't. No word on Quiet Place 2. Uh, but the people at DreamWorks said of Trolls 2, you know what, we're just going to put it on VOD, and you can pay. They, th- they actually followed through on a model that's been threatened for years, which is the VOD re- release could coincide with or even eclipse the theater, the theatrical release, and you would pay something like a couple of movie tickets, get some people together, and it's almost like a pay-per-view event. So you pay 20 bucks to rent Trolls 2. You have it for the weekend. You can share it with a a household or something like that. And uh, DreamWorks made an absolute crap ton of money this way. In fact, they speculated that they made as much or more money than they would have made. They were like, we're going to do this model forever now. This is the best thing that's ever happened to us. The world's fine (laughs) (laughs) with Trolls 2. I watched it at home. It was a horrible movie. Uh but I think that what DreamWorks was overlooking was that everyone was miserable and the idea of renting a movie went at home that should be out in the theaters and let your kids watch it sounded like a good thing to do on the weekend at the time. Um, the theaters got furious with DreamWorks yep. and said, you can't freaking do this. Uh, and then meanwhile, Universal is creeping on a come up off to the side and they says to the movie theaters, they says you know what, we're thinking we're going to do that too. Not everything, but we're going to start putting out some of our big properties on VOD to coincide with the theatrical release. And the theater chains got ticked, and AMC, the biggest uh, theater chain in the country, said, you know what, Universal, screw you. We won't play any of your movies forever. And Universal said, what? (laughs) That was a big uh, threat because Universal currently has two of the biggest franchises in the world, domestically and overseas, which is the Jurassic World franchise and the Fast and the Furious franchise are the big money makers. Mm. Billion, multi-billion dollar franchises. So crazy. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, But then eventually they worked it out. Universal said, oh, no, we was just playing. We ain't going to do all that. And they made some kind of deal with AMC where they get to work it out together or something. It's like, we won't do it with everything. We'll get your permission first, blah, blah, blah. So, yes, that was a really long answer. That they were mm. fighting about that. Yeah. That model, they'd been threatening it for a long time, and the movie theaters just kept saying, like, you can't do that to us. You're going to render us useless, and we need each other to survive. You have to create ways for us to s- remain a viable business. Right. The studios don't want the theaters to go out of business because they lose all the monies. Yeah, because right. even though movie tickets go down, 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 the box office drops every single year, but there's still a multi-billion dollar industry. We still have, I mean, it's changed. Now, the movies that make the most mov- money make the most money in ways that movies never did. But they've kind of eliminated the middle tier 
movie. Right. So it used to just be like a movie, like a drama, an R-rated drama could come out, make millions of dollars, keep the studio going great. You know, like there was a whole market for the kind of movies that are now indie movies that only come out in two theaters, like the A24 film. Yeah. That used to be like a major Hollywood. Those kinds of movies would just be like, you'd go on the weekend to see that kind of thing. Now those are almost gone and we've got Marvel movies. Those are the big... Right. Or just complete garbage movies that are or complete romantic garbage. comedies that come out and go away really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've been threatening to do that for a long time, but the theaters are like, you can't do that. We're already dying over here. And I'm, this is going to be the thing that kills the theaters. The way it was presented to me was like, you know, these these movies, they've been making them and they need to release them. And the theater was like, you better not. And so my thought was like, all right, so no movies are going <laughs> to come out until this whole thing goes away. Like, it just seemed like I get it that they, it, it's not like the, yeah, I guess I didn't know the details, but to me it seemed like it's not like this is a forever decision. Yeah. You know, this is just... Yeah, but it's Neat. also kind of one of those things where with, with DreamWorks, I think that the theater chains were ticked in particular because they had already invested. The movie was supposed to come out in another couple of weeks or something like that. So they had already invested money into advertising and promoting a movie. There's cardboard cutouts in their closed theaters to amp up this movie. And they're like, well, we're going to need to come back too. It's one thing to take like, well, we've got this other thing that's in post-production right now. You know what? We might explore a vod model and the trolls is a big deal it made a bunch of money it's a kids movie a spring kids movie it could have made a lot it could have cleaned up at the theater and they're like why not push it back and a lot of the i mean a lot of the big studio properties or even the ones that are kind of in flux right now like the the godzilla sequel kong versus or godzilla versus kong was supposed to come out in march and they got pushed back because king of the monsters performed poorly at the box office but then everything else happened so they said you know what that's fine it'll come out in uh november of 2020 but then the closer we got to that the studio was like nothing's going to be opened it'll come out next summer if it comes out at all so now that got pushed back a whole nother it seems like every single thing is getting pushed back further and further and it certainly was before tenet tenet came along did not make the the redemptive splash that the world spoilers alert for the right. film industry did not make the box office smash that everyone was hoping it would make to resurrect the film industry and now uh one by one the studio started to be like oh okay well then this movie's not coming out and this wonder woman's not coming out and they started pulling things from the slate that's strange because it seems like isn't there some They've spent the money to make the movie, unless they've just paused everything. I guess they could have put all those projects on hold. But if they already made that, spent that money, <laughs> they've got this movie. Isn't it just like a thumb drive they're sending out? Like how much? <laughs> they actually don't there? even do that. They upload <laughs> yeah. it to a server, right? And the theaters download the film from a server, right? But think about it like this: like if Wonder Woman was going to come out in December, and the theaters are still fifty percent shut down. Mm. But it could come out in March where 75% are open or whatever the right, right. the ratio up. goes up, their chances go up. And each month it yeah. seems like, give it another month, you know, maybe it'll get better. That's a good point. Postpone it, it might make more money later and compensate for the... Yeah, right. that's their hope. Their hope is that this has got to go away at some point and if we have, we need to open with our best bets. Yeah. Not, you know, like... It just makes you think movies like A Quiet Place too. I would 
obviously rather see it in the theater, but that seems like a good candidate for the VOD thing because it seems like a lower budget thing that would clean up and do well with that. Yeah. Yeah. So now uh, it's only a matter of time, I think, before they say, never mind, Dune's not going to come out in December. We're going to wait until, you know, all the big things that are on the slate that actually could be released that they seem like they're... Because all along, a movie like Dune, for example, they've been saying, no, we're not moving it back and we're still still cranking along to finish on time. This tenant thing happened. And I bet now the studio at least is over there going, we can't <laughs> put this out for no one to see. Like we've right. tanked, you right. know, if the Christopher Nolan movie plus, flops. That's a bad did song. Did Tenet flop? It didn't. Uh, what's flop anymore? It didn't. Yeah. Right. It, right. If by normal standards, absolutely. But uh, a ton of the theaters aren't open. A ton of states aren't It's doing well internationally. Yeah, it made money. Uh, let's so let's talk about the theater experience for a second. When I when you guys went to get your tickets because we all went to different showings. Yeah, we all went separately. <laughs> I went on and it was I was surprised to see that you know there's all these kind of safety protocols where you can't you know they they block out seats so that people can't just clog it up and blah blah blah. You got to wear your mask and all that kind of stuff. All the safety protocols are in place, but the seats that were available were pretty much gone uh, when I was looking at screenings. So I I had to like move through a few options to find one that was like okay cool there's a good seat in this one I was like neat it looks like people are going to see this thing did it were you, were there people in your theater Well I went on Labor Day and I was suspecting it was going to be that way so we got our tickets way early and it was the kind of thing the theater was where you you sit and then there's like a big wall and then like the 21 and up or is above it kind of thing right uh, or just like another level. If there were anybody else in the theater, I think they might have been at the very back wall, like two hundred. Oh, feet so away. yours was kind of empty. I think, yeah, I think there might have been two other people in the whole theater besides us. Huh. Which I, made me think this is bad for a Labor Day m- movie. The theater I was in seemed like as full as you can with the COVID precaution. There was, because I think it's automated when you select your seat, then it automatically blocks out two seats on either side of your group, mm-hmm. and it seemed like there was people in all the rows I yeah. didn't do a, a good job looking but it was definitely as full as it seemed like it could get it was cool and it was uh, man it was awesome to go back to the movies yeah, we, it was. seriously we it all went to a theater that we hadn't been to and it turned out to be a great theater yeah that was an awesome theater like being uh, we were for some reason I just got this giant soda I think I was just compensating for not being oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did too popcorn giant soda Mountain Dew I've, I haven't drank Mountain Dew in I don't know how many years <laughs> you got, <laughs> got a giant Mountain Dew <laughs> yeah I don't know was just like a, we got popcorn and Liam bought a bunch of candy and yeah. just had a good time um, but it reminded me of being like 16 like I was just giddy like standing in line waiting to get the stuff it was it's kind of cool it's kind of cool that the, that the, you know this happened in a way it like resurrected this like thrill of going to the theater. Well, yeah, it makes you appreciate what used yeah. to be something that so casual. Yeah, and I've, we've been talking a lot uh, just amongst ourselves about how much we miss the routine of going to the movies. I think we, the, we, the people in this room and the people who are on the show usually probably go to the movies more than the average Joe. I don't know, but go to the movies a lot. There's a movie theater down the road and. Um, it's not at all unusual for any one of us to be like, hey, you want to go see this? Let's go see this. And to go to late night movies or weekend movies or daytime movies. 
and to have that gone for like when someone was like, oh, there, well, this one that's about 50 minutes to an hour away is open. I was like, the heck yeah, I'll, I'll ride yeah. an hour to go to the movies. And go ahead. No, please. Oh, I think it was interesting that I saw the trailer and independently was like, there's got to be a way to see this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like we should, you know, like, they, uh, like I yeah. think I texted you and you guys like, yeah, Salem. I don't know. It was, it was interesting that we had the same thought that there might be a place that we can go to. I didn't for. have that thought. It wasn't yeah. until, uh, Josh and his crew that went bought tickets and they said, Hey, we can go to Salem. And then you texted right, right. after that. And then it kind of all snowballed, but I didn't, I wasn't even thinking it was an option. No, I think it was divine intervention because it was like a series of strange events where a friend of mine texts me assuming like, oh, you're the movie guy. You got that movie podcast. You'll know all about how I can go see Tenet. So he's like, how can I go see Tenet? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, yeah, I thought you would know like which movie theaters are the best and which ones are open. I, was like, I have no idea. All I know is the ones in my immediate vicinity are still closed. And, uh, and then that was kind of the end of the conversation. The next morning I got up and for the first time in many, many months turned on the local news. Uh, and they were like, theaters are opening in Salem this morning. And I was like, Oh, well, Hey, there you go. So, uh, it's like a movie. It was, it was like, like everything was drawing me to this moment. Yeah. I think I watched that trailer and I was just like, you know, I, I don't know, something I'm like, let's drive like five. I was willing to like, let's make a whole like road trip day where we drive like five hours to wherever this rural place that has this movie playing. Yeah. And, and there were like, uh, our friend Josiah was scoffing at the idea of driving a distance to go see a movie. Maybe he wasn't, we, I don't think we were aware that it was only an hour away at the time, but I was thinking before a life of, you know, with kids and stuff, I would probably do that. That sounds pretty fun. Yeah, totally. Just to go on a big five-hour trip to see a movie. Oh, I was definitely willing to do it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you could dedicate, if you dedicate the whole day to the trip, it's totally... Yeah, make make a thing. That sounds fun. It would be a fun thing. Just desperate to see a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky for us, we didn't have to go on a full road trip to go see the movie. Nope. But the great thing about it is that it was kind of like this... double-edged thing at first you're you know like you get to the movie theater and you can tell when you're walking up like oh this seems like a legit regal it's pretty big um people are getting concessions stuff oh man we're back in the movies this is awesome it's weird because you know they got all these protocols you're standing far apart you got masks on and stuff but that's life in the world these days so you go in there and sit down and immediately it's a great auditorium with the you know the reclining seats and stuff and uh so i was like oh man this is gonna be good i can tell it's gonna be awesome the trailers start to play, and you're like, they clearly had nothing to show us. The trailers <laughs> looked garbage. like not real movies <laughs> or movies that weren't finished. There was another weird B dad movie with Gerard Butler running from asteroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think that movie, that trailer, I was thinking that uh, <clears throat> that was a good trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I know the movie's going to be terrible, but the uh, just the couple scenes you know, that depict like, oh, everything's normal. Oh, wait, it's crazy. That was enough, and I enjoyed that enough. Yeah, I was. I felt the same way. I'm like, am I excited to be here, or is that looking all right? (laughs) I started to, I came home, and I was telling Abby, I was like, actually a pretty cool premise, but I think it was, then I realized it's not actually a cool premise at all, and we've had those movies. She's like, so Deep Impact? And I was like, I guess, fine, yeah, it's another asteroid movie. But the way the movie depicted it as if it was from the vantage point not of like the government and people going into space, but just some dude who's like watching it on the news yeah. and not really understanding what's going on. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and the, the fact that it like 
seems like, oh, it's this like, it's handled and the scientists have figured it out. It's going to go in the ocean, you know, and you can, I don't know how it unfolds seems almost realistic, you know, and people yeah. kind of start freaking out. Yeah, so yeah. apparently we were all really taken. <laughs> Spoilers for whatever the heck that is. We're just desperate. <laughs> I'm gonna look <laughs> we're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll see that. I'll see that in Salem. Uh, but it was weird. There, there was a there was a couple of trailers in particular, and there was this really bad one about like Robert De Niro as a grumpy grandpa fighting oh, yeah, over yeah. a room with his kid, and uh, like, man, these are this is not that exciting, unfortunately. But then the moment that um, Tenet began proper, it was like uh, exhilarating. For the oh opening yeah. scene of Tenet brings to mind some of the most Christopher Nolan-y in the good sense. I mean, I know we've done lots of stuff about Christopher Nolan. He's a divisive filmmaker in, in a lot of ways, but overall, I think, pretty beloved. Oh, yeah, for sure. But in the best way, very Christopher Nolan-y. And I was like, I'm at the freaking movies, man. It was oh, yeah. like the noise yeah. was ear splitting. It was so loud. And it was already really intriguing, but kind of confusing. And uh, a lot of sophisticated uh, camera work and um, staging. The, the The whole sequence opens in some kind of theater. Uh, yeah, it was like a symphony is performing to an audience. Yeah. And yeah. some kind of... Uh, spy attack is going on and the score think, did that happen in real life what are you talking about that did, i think that no ten is just a fictional movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no i mean but was it the ukrainian like big theater getting i thought it was in russia i thought there was something that happened like that where there was i think like they a, did base that on somewhat of a real event yeah was but i don't know if they're looking of, for but time in russia traveling. it's just like they don't there's no negotiate they just bring in swat immediately and kind of exactly how they depicted it they like yeah there's no they have no tolerance for that kind of thing they're willing to let people die that scene was so awesome oh my god it was (laughs) it was amazing uh like yeah like josh like as soon as it started i think i don't know if it's the immediate first scene but they're like you know wearing black maybe it's maybe it's couple scenes in but like inside and running like really sprinting Mm -hmm. like it gave you the sense that like it's so real. Like if you had to do this, you wouldn't be like, Oh, let's kind of jog along. You'd be sprinting as fast as you can, you know? And that, Oh yeah. Yeah. And the music They're was panicky so cool. and stuff. Yeah. 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 And it just felt so visceral. Like you're there, like you're with these dudes running fast, jumping over a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It was jumping so, over a thing. I don't know. They were like, I think he like sl- slides under the coat. Oh yeah. Rack or something. You're like, I'm it, playing this video game. Yeah, this yeah, is great. It was, it was so <laughs> rad. I was just, it was so but it real. It gives you the little taste, like they throw the patches to them at the beginning before they get out of the van, and then yeah. you start to see some of the reverse stuff, and you and they got the weird trinket. You're like, oh, it's a little stuff to be unfolded here, and but wrapped in an awesome action scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say that the the composer's name. I'm going to get it wrong. It's Ludwig Göransson. He's the gentleman who he actually just won an Emmy last night for The Mandalorian. Uh, but he scored Ryan Coogler film uh, Creed and Black Panther and Fruitvale Station. Uh, and I thought that the score for the uh, Creed, and he scored Creed too as well. The Creed scores are actually really good to yep. the degree that you, you can actually listen to the soundtrack. I don't really remember the Black Panther score that much, but and the Mandalorian score I didn't care for, actually. I noti- noticed it and disliked it. 
I was mm. like, I don't think like the Western I thing. Didn't like the oh, I didn't that they would play at the end. No, I didn't actually. The whistly Clint Eastwood yeah. kind of thing. How did it go? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sounds exactly. Right. Sounds like, yeah, you got it. Um, <laughs> so it, it's not that this guy he's he's won an Academy Award for Black Panther. Um, he's got a couple of scores that I really enjoyed. He won an Emmy for a Mandalorian. It's not like he doesn't know what he's doing, but it's not. He's also not one of those dudes that has a um, signature style. I don't know how much the listeners are into film composers, but there's some guys or gals that score films, and before you realize it's the same person, you know it's the same person. They have such a, a kind of style to them. Michael Giacchino is a, a composer who's done like a billion movies, a yeah. lot of like um, uh, Pixar films that have memorable uh, compositions in them, and then he's done like the new Jurassic world movies and he did rogue one and the planet of the apes movies, super eight stuff like that. And he has a real John Williams esque sound to it, to where you start to hear scores and be like, this is a good score. Oh, it's that same guy. This is a good score. Oh, it's that same guy. This guy doesn't have that thing. And this is really different from anything that I've heard. I was telling you guys uh, off the microphone here that it sounded to me like he was listening to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and was like, I guess I'll just do what they do sounded very much cut from the, I'm just going to build everything from a simple synth sequence and build a lot of intense percussive orchestration on top of that. But it was a fantastic, yeah. fantastic yeah. And Christopher score. Nolan is like the Tarantinos. They're like truly fighting the good fight of requiring theaters to have certain levels of volume and mm. brightness on their uh, projectors and stuff. So I bet that had a lot to do with it. But God, it yeah. was loud. Yeah. And, the, and the score was so immediately visceral in yeah. the sequence that uh, it, it was weird because uh, Nolan often works with Hans Zimmer, who does have that kind of style. It's like mm-hmm. you know, people joke that his score for uh, Interstellar sounds like he fell asleep on an organ. But he's got that style, and he did those the scores for the Dark Knight trilogy that had really percussive tribal rhythm kind of mm-hmm. like banging on drums and orchestra hits. Did he do Inception? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That also had the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, the big walls. So I thought like, oh, maybe it's Hans Zimmer and he's just really going in on the synth stuff this time because it sounded, it paired in the same way that Hans Zimmer's score pairs. Uh, but it wasn't. But man, that score was one of the standout pieces of this whole movie. For sure. It, it really brought... And from the moment that it began, it was kind of similar to that opening sequence gave me the same feeling as sitting down to watch The Dark Knight Rises because you're so amped up from the previous film, which everyone loved so intensely. Going to see this new one and everyone's just thinking like, uh, I know people came out with mixed reactions, but when you sit down, everyone was like, this is, there's no way it's not going to be amazing. I love this yeah. guy now, I love this director, this trilogy's yeah. awesome. And it does open with that fantastic plane sequence where they take the plane apart man that actually now that you mentioned that it's those seem those scenes seem very similar exactly yeah Yeah. that's what it made me so does like the opening of the dark knight seems very similar to me as well with the bank heist Mm -hmm, the bank heist Yeah. yeah it's just like this you know they're professional people who deal with these violent situations or something and it makes it feel so real like you're yep. there like the sounds of their cables and stuff is just so different from 
some movie you would have seen in the 90s when they're like trying to depict some SWAT scene. This seems very real. Like I'm yeah, familiar. yeah, yeah. Very Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah. And the great, the I guess when now that we're in into the movie <laughs> at this point. Yeah. And you're sitting there, you're watching this sequence. You're like, dude, this is rules. Whatever is going on right now, this is amazing. Um, Christopher Nolan's maybe one of his best qualities as a filmmaker is also one of his more frustrating and short, uh, one of his shortcomings as a filmmaker is that he's not one of these ones that's terribly concerned if the audience is given like a tremendous amount of leading exposition to get them from point A to point B, um, yeah. especially when it comes to action beats. So people picked on, uh, what was the freaking dream? Inception. Inception. They picked on Inception because Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is just there to walk around and explain the movie. And <laughs> uh, he did. He just walked around and says, well, this is, this is a dream and a machine and blah, blah, And it's like, okay. And even still it was confusing. Yeah. If your concept is this problematic that you need a character just to explain it. and uh, But for better or for worse, when his action beats start going, The Dark Knight, I think, is the perfect example of when it's really working. Because the Joker's plans are so endlessly complicated, but there's not a lot of like, okay, so he's going to do this. And like, if right. just in case you didn't understand, you know, characters explaining it after it happened, it just starts happening. It's super chaotic and he just expects that you'll catch up and it makes you feel as if it's a sophisticated piece of filmmaking rather than like, yeah, we're well, yeah. good at, you know, the kind you of, have to, you have to work at it a little bit, but in a fun way. Yeah. yeah. So uh tenant starts going that first whole sequence i was already like i have no idea <laughs> you, you're not supposed to know at this point exactly what's going on but to the degree where it started to get a little confusing in the sequence you're like wait who's that and, but mm-hmm. you're like whatever we're like 15 minutes in so it doesn't matter to me um and then it just kept getting more confusing yeah from I, there <laughs> i think it also didn't help that you couldn't Sometimes you, you literally couldn't hear what they said. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's so loud. And somehow he's like, I didn't know. You know, like, and then Christopher Nolan put mask on people again. Yeah. And you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> You're like, you haven't yeah. learned the mask le- lesson yet. He must know exactly what he's doing though, because that's been con- a consistent complaint ever since Bane on in like the, uh, bad war movie in Dunkirk. People yeah. were like, yeah, you can't hear him half the time. Yeah. So, And he's just like, I think it's fine. He wants that score to just blast your head off. But I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of times there's like these big, you know, um, beautiful, I'm assuming helicopter shots sweeping over like a uh, entourage of boats on the ocean moving in for a close up. People are talking with the you know, soundtrack, and they're like, like yelling at each other over a boat and the score of the ocean. You're like, hopeless. I have no to idea. To understand what's happening, you need to... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So, Tenet is, if you want to compare it to any of his other movies, it's probably most comparable to something like Inception, where it's like a, there's espionage and action and spy and secret society stuff with mm, there's a weird science they're with playing the weird with. sci-fi e fantasy mm-hmm. quality to all of it which is great that's refreshing yep. it's a fun yep. thing to do what did you guys what's your like small review of tenet patrick what do you think of tenet after you finally left from your high of the movie theater uh-huh i was on the high the whole time on the high the whole way back so happy just <laughs> going to the movies again 
my the three people I went with our consensus all was so awesome, so fun. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand what happened as a whole. You know, like yeah. as a big thing. We could pick it apart. And I think on the way home, you guys might have had the same experience. We kind of put it together pretty well, but walking out, we were like, I don't know, but with the biggest smiles on our faces right. possible. You know. Yeah. What do yeah. you think, Peter? I almost exactly that same thing. I think. Yeah. It. I think between. I think if I had just left by myself, I would not have understood what was really going on. Uh, but I think, and then a, a couple of my friends had other key elements. They're like, no, this is the, you know, and like between the three of us, we reconstructed it. We're like, yeah, that, that must be it. Cause then all these other things are consistent. But yeah, overall it was so awesome. The mu- I think I listened to that soundtrack a bunch speeding around in my neighborhood <laughs> 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 later. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was a big fan of the soundtrack, the score. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. And I'm guessing a big part of it is going back to the theater, being super hyped up. Um, and I mean, it's a great movie to go back. For, yeah, it is. You know? it's, it's a, once again, like Christopher Nolan, it's like the best strength is the best is the biggest weakness in that this is one of the movies that really benefits from a movie theater experience. Yeah. To see Tenet on a big, huge screen with a really loud system. Yeah. I've got to assume is uh, just <laughs> pales, you know, I mean, like to watch it at home would pale in comparison. Uh, it's still a cool movie. You're going to enjoy it as an interesting piece of filmmaking, but it's a, it's a cinematic experience. It's something that really plays well in the movie theater. So I was with you guys. I was like, man, uh, was never bored. Unlike Dunkirk when I was never not bored. Uh, and I was never so confused that I was ticked uh, like Interstellar or so conf- or I never got to the point where it's strange qualities made me roll my eyes like Interstellar. Oh, uh, yeah. Interstellar. Uh, yeah. No, and like- yeah, in- Inception was great. I think my thing with Inception was like, yeah, that was awesome. But then like when I walked out of the thing, people were foaming at the mouth and rolling around on the ground like. The in, in absolute like orgasmic euphoria and i was like oh, guys i mean it was cool it was. i and think then that the trouble with inception is that it you can't figure it a group of people can't figure it out no one you know you could just discuss it for a while but it's it was like i almost think that there actually isn't any real sound explanation for some of that yeah there's I, some open I think yeah, purposefully open. Yeah, pur- yeah ideas it's purposely open ended. Where I don't think that that's the case with Tenet. No, no, but yeah. Tenet yeah. intends to close its threads, its loose yeah. threads by the end of the movie, or at least the the meta ones. Right. Yeah. So we watched the, you watched the whole thing, and uh, I was thinking to myself, maybe I just don't get it. Like at some point in the movie, I was thinking like maybe it's one of those things where I'm missed. I'm missing stuff. And afterwards, I'm going to turn around to my friend and be like, what was this? And he's going to be like, dude, it was this. And I'll be like, oh, okay, okay. But then as soon as we got in the car, I was like, he's like, man, that was awesome, huh? I was like, yeah, totally. So I didn't get any of it, though. And he was like, no, nah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because exa- I'm like, well, if I don't get it, then nobody gets it. <laughs> that was my first. So I came out right away. And my buddy, I'm like, that understood very little of what was happening. Or not very little, but... Yeah, there was big gaping holes that were big enough that I was like, I, I guess I just don't get what's going on. 
Yeah. And um, it's funny too because we'll we'll talk about some of the parts that are like, what the heck was this? Somebody there will be out there listening. It'll be like, obviously it was this. Yeah. You yeah. know, because I feel like it's that kind of movie. Like you said, some different people pick up on different things. And right, right. Well, I don't want to put words in his mouth because I haven't heard anything from Christopher Nolan in terms of press for the movie. But maybe he intended it. It is one of the fun things about movies to try to, you know, embark in the process of what uh, you guys are describing where you piece it together as there's a communal kind of debriefing interpretation, the art of interpreting and uh, saying, well, what did you think this meant? I think this was this. And he might've intended it to be one of those kinds of movies that like it's, it's meant for you to have conversations and then revisit, uh, because at some point uh, when we were we resolved a bunch of the issues that we had, and I think that some of them, uh, maybe this is where we can go next. There's like superficial confusion in Tenet, and then there's like a profound confusion in Tenet. So the yeah. superficial confusion has to do with the basic mechanics of the movie, the rules that the movie establishes, and you can resolve those if more than one person's paying attention. So you know we leave, and I'm, I was like. I'm a little confused about how the inverted state worked. You know, I, I'm asking, is it that when you're inverted, you're actively traveling backwards, and uh, but they can move backward through time in an inverted state and then stop, and then they're just in the past but moving forward in time with everyone else. Uh, and that seems to be the case. You know, the, um, uh, the big third act thing in the movie depended on them going to a point in the past, inverted, everything's going backwards, and then they go through the machine or something, and now they're no longer inverted, but they're still in the past. Right, they're running loops. They're running loops. Right, because he even said uh, Batman, was its character's name? Oh, yeah. you mean Robert Pattinson? Yeah, character? he's oh. like, I've been, at the at the end, he was like, I've been running this, I gotta get back in the loop or whatever. He used the, the term like Well. <clears throat> I don't know if that's what it intended. I think that there was, he noticed a piece of evidence that suggested that he, he, that's what's, there's something fundamentally flawed about these types of movies that go into the past. And part of the problem is this like feedback loop. Uh, once it happens once, there, it will have to happen perpetually, right? People will have to keep coming back and that loop never ends, right? Because he, for instance, this character like who we're following isn't the first one who's done it. He's already, cause you he acknowledges the protagonist. Yeah. The protagonist has already done this, right? He, yeah. so this is the second time this guy is doing it. At, let's assume that the first time he did it was the first time. So this is the second time. And there was actually a third guy already. The guy that he ran into at the airport where initially you didn't, you don't know that it's him. And then when you he later fights himself. Yeah, that's number three already doing the sequence. And that guy will eventually get to where this guy is going. And that will just perpetually happen. Yeah. That's part of the... And so I think that the Robert Patterson... Patterson? Patterson? <laughs> Pat, <laughs> the Pat, Peter Patterson of Little V. <laughs> he identified that for this sequence to um, stay the way it should be, that he has to go... Like, who saw who's bet? Like, someone saw the backpack of the guy in there, and he knows that in order to make this thing go the right way, he has to go back and do that. Yeah. You know, he had, there was some evidence to suggest that he, he almost his saw his future self had his already done it. Or right. Yeah. So he needed, he knew, Oh, well if that's in there already, that means that 
I eventually go in there. So I just have to go in there. No, no, no. Make the loop That's complete. not... He was just going back in there to do... Because the, the whole agency, the tenant agency, is working within the loops. They're using the science to, to do things. Remember he said, who unlocked the door? Who locked the door? And then, dude, the Denzel Washington's kid, what's his first name? John. John Washington. John David Washington. Something. Um, David John Washington. He, wow. he saw Robert Patterson's yeah. <laughs> backpack in there. He did. Yeah, yeah but he saw it. So that means that he he must have already been there. But when he talked to Robert Patterson, he hadn't gone in there yet. Yeah, he hadn't done it yet. Which means that a um, older version who had already done this loop had done it. So he has to go do that. Yeah, he's, he was, when he turned around and walked away, he's like, I got to finish cleaning this up or whatever he said. He was walking to go back in there exactly. and do that. Yeah. And then he probably gets killed and his backpack gets left there. Yeah, that's what happens. Right, right. Yeah. So, but the point is it it's like a perpetual... It'll have to keep happening. Yeah, but the whole point of the agency is to to do their work within the the, the rules of this inverted time thing. So they're right. they're going back and forth through it, manipulating it the best they can to do whatever they think is needs to right. be done. But like I say, the like the f- kind of flaw of this idea is that though there's going to be an infinite number of these. Right, things. it starts eating <laughs> itself at some point, right? Yeah, um, yeah, that's. Okay, so well, apparently that's a superficial and a <laughs> we still didn't get profound. anywhere with it. Just yeah, <laughs> I would like to hear everybody's actually like general interpretation of what the point of the movie was or what was going on. Well, that's the yeah the pr- the profound confusion intended to me is that it builds itself up on this you know conf- mystery conflict. There's an organization in the future that we're having to address in the past because of this technology that we're now, it means that somebody's doing stuff and we got to figure out what it is. Okay. That's interesting. And track with that. So far you're tracking with it. John David Washington's character, the protagonist goes and meets with this woman after he bites a cyanide pill. That's not really a cyanide pill. Yeah. They pulled his teeth out. Yeah. He suffers through that whole thing and then wakes up and they're like, now we know you're the real deal. And we're sorry about pulling your teeth out. We gave you some new ones while you were asleep, they say. <laughs> they address that. And then um, it's a quick procedure. He goes to talk to this girl, and she's like, we can't talk about anything. And he's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And you, the viewer, are like, how does that make any sense? And what are you all doing there then? Oh, check out this gun. It shoots backwards. Whoa, okay, that's cool and mysterious. But then by the third act of the movie, I was no closer to understanding Tenet than I was in the first act of the movie. And at this point, the stakes have just exploded or the scope of this <laughs> of the movie has exploded. You've got literally dozens of people running into an active <laughs> war zone and I have no idea who they're fighting or why. Yeah. You that know. scene is probably my only complaint about the movie because it makes no sense. <laughs> you, I don't think that you actually ever see an enemy soldier. You only see the two, the blue and green teams. They're constantly shooting and blowing stuff up and driving things. But there's, <laughs> n- there's nothing, there's no opposing force that's obvious. Like I didn't... Uh, maybe Did the I'm movie ever say wrong. what the opposing force was even supposed to be? 
They're like, know. hey, it's Operation Get the Thing. <laughs> so, Operation MacGuffin. We got to get this thing. Yeah, I was under the impression when I was watching it, I thought, uh, what's the main bad guy's name? I don't remember any of these names. The Russian guy? Yeah. Probably Sergi or Vlad. Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was a cool bad guy. And I was like, he's got a dang army, and they're trying to protect... Maybe, uh, maybe the idea was that they were just overwhelming. They're like, let's over because we know they've got this future technology that we cannot possibly deal with. So let's just try to overwhelm them. Yeah, but they were like getting like they're yeah, struggling with they, it because they they go in there, everything's blowing up. Like you said, you only see the two people, the two teams of good guys that were with, and then eventually some of them end up inside some kind of underground tank thing. And then there's like two bad guys in there lowering a thing into a hole. <laughs> You're like, right. Were they all, were they blowing everything up on account of these two guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they were, the two guys were, the whole point was the two guys are trying to get the thing in the ground, I guess, because that was, that would be where it needs to be to blow up the world. Yeah, see, okay, l- l- take a few steps back. <laughs> Earlier in the movie, <laughs> when, <laughs> when, uh, when the protagonist and, Ro- let me look at his name so I can stop saying Robert Pattinson over and over again. Was it uh, Larry? Larry. Oh. Neil. Neil, well, that's close. His, his cat is just Neil. So Neil and protagonist guy. They're in, I can't remember which country they're in, when they repel up the buildings, like bungee. Like Pakistan re- or India, India. yeah. Some like reverse bungee up the buildings and into this guy. Oh, but shoot, it's not really the guy. It's this lady, and she's some kind of, you know, big weapons manufacturer or something like that. It's like a kingpin. Yeah, but then she's going to help. She So she becomes this recurring person to talk to. And then over the course of the protagonist's conversation with this character, She's like, look, there's this thing in the future, but it's the ultimate MacGuffin scenario. It's like, but it's like five pieces, and you can't put a, we can't put them together because then, like, if that happens, the algorithm and then the stuff from the future would backwards, and that's bad. And he's like, got gotcha, and <laughs> then he goes off on his mission. And you're like, what? And then by the time they get to big explode everyone, but no bad guys war at the end of the movie. They're lowering some kind of <laughs> trinket into the ground. You're like, okay, I heard him say something about something that's supposed to be all put together. That must be that thing, I says, when I'm seeing it. I'm like, why are they lowering it to the ground? It's like attached to this guy's heart monitor. And if he his heart stops, the world gets erased. <laughs> yeah, time <laughs> uh, eats itself. I know, that, <laughs> because that thing's going to blow up. I know, no, no, but... It's not a bomb. It was a bomb. No, it was going to activate. It was going to activate and it was going to make time invert on itself where everybody ceases to exist. No, I, I was under the impression that that thing was going to blow up and that is the remaining evidence or remaining like details that the people of this timeline need in order to help combat the people of the future timeline. No, they said that the moment his thing blew up, like... The world would, the universe would cease to exist. Mm-hmm. It would end if there were too no, much. No, it was more. <laughs> it was more that if that happened, they were doomed. Essentially. Oh no. Yeah, the people in the no. future would continue no. going. So that's that's. So what is your guys's? I can give you my interpretation of what the entire, you know, deal is with the future people. Okay, let's okay, about the so future people. This is this is the whole thing. There's some person <laughs> in the future, some lady who discovers this technology 
that lets them uh, essentially reverse time. And I think that they're trying to work on the entropy problem, you know, heat death of the universe, typical, eventually all the stars are going to run out of energy and we're all going to yeah. die kind of thing. So they want to go. So essentially this is a way to reverse entropy. They're going, they, if they go backwards in time and energy will go up, they discover this thing. And right before this lady, uh, they hatch this plan. Cause the future is so, I guess the, the gist of it is that the future is so destroyed and kind of broken that they're like, you know, our former selves put us here like our ancestors and they don't really deserve, you know, like screw them essentially. Like they're in this future that's wrecked and they want to go back in time and the co- at, at the cost of the people living in the, our present time. So it's like way in the future, earth is destroyed. They're blaming us and they're like, you know what? We're just going to reverse time, start going backwards. And as they go backwards, the more of them that go backwards and interact with our timeline, the more the shift of time starts going in that direction. So if it's just one person, the majority of the world is still going in the forward direction. That's not really going to affect it. They talk about like, uh, they say something about like touching stuff or there's some like critical mass that will eventually reverse the timeline. So they hatch this plan. They're going to do it. They're going to reverse. Everybody's going to go backwards. They're going to destroy us. They don't really care. But then later, they they mentioned in the movie that the lady has this Oppenheimer kind of epiphany or um, a realization that like she doesn't want to actually do this like you know it's like a bad thing just like so Oppenheimer whoever you know worked on the atomic bomb was like right before they were going to launch it and he was decided he didn't want to be part of it or at least regretted it and so what she does is hides this algorithm that she discovered for reversing time in the past so that people in the past could figure it out and have some way of combating these people who are <coughs> coming from the future and so she sends that back and she's like what's this most secure place nuke sites except for which is a good point that somebody brought up she thought a secure place would be soviet russia after the collapse <laughs> doesn't make any sense because she would have known that they collapsed and then their nukes some random kid is just you know digging in the dirt and finds this thing so i think they send it back so that that's kind of the gist of it they're trying to figure out this but how is the algorithm a trinket that you put in the ground uh my theory is that it's an analog for the algorithm like this mechanical thing is a representation of the actual algorithm so if you took it and you know interpreted its parts you could get you know they like made a physical mechanical thing that represented this actual uh, written kind of algorithm so and then theory. when they go clink clink take it apart and they hand a piece to Batman and hand a piece to Black Klansman and they're like well we're just going to take it they're they're just saying we're essentially just going to hide it better yeah and if it's not connected it doesn't work yeah but see, if all it is is a physical and analog representation of an algorithm then all anyone has to do is just get the parts and put them together or, or just have them. access to someone who else who knows where the next part is like a paleontologist. You're just like, you've got the leg bone and I've got the skull. So let's put them together. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really make sense because somehow they've already discovered how to do this also because they're doing it in the movie. They're going back, you know, so yeah. they're combating the guy. Um, so that's what, yeah. It, and what it doesn't, someone mentioned so, who I was in the movie theater with was that 
when the Russian kid, when he's 17, finds the thing in the dirt, there's like a clipboard and he opens it or some kind of box and he opens it and there's a contract and someone said his name was at the top. Like they had chosen him from the future or something. I didn't catch the name and that might have not been the case, but so they were like... I didn't catch that if that's true. Um, but yeah, so that... that I kind of didn't understand his part in it. I think he was supposed to help the future people somehow by preventing the former, like maybe they, she had sent the stuff back and then they, they sent, they like recruited this guy to help stop what she tried to do to help the people of the past kind of thing. I'm, I'm not really clear on what his deal was. Is that what your guys' interpretation of? No, that's actually more detailed than my, yeah, that wasn't, I didn't have uh, that much of an interpretation because the movies, you know, like in the, but when you're watching him fire the backwards gun in the opening half hour of the movie and this lady's like, we don't know, really know what it is. We just know what it does. And we're kind of, and he's like, Oh, okay, cool. I guess so. Uh, and they're fighting more and more of those types of, and yeah, we're finding stuff, but she, it's presented to you as if it's like almost entirely a mystery. All they know is that here's this thing and it seems to work this way. Uh, but then by the time the other shoe drops and Robert Pattinson's character is like, look, it's the whole thing. You know, there's a, there's a moment, I think, somewhere around the big Boeing 747 crash scene where they you see the first little actual time machine that they jump into a, a rotating door and it goes, and then they go out on the other side and have to wear the masks and stuff. And you realize, like, oh... He's been misled, at least to a degree, or kept in the dark. People actually have a firm understanding of what this stuff is. Right. And the tools are readily accessible, and they can operate them with ease. And yeah. the person that he's been with that's been acting like he doesn't know exactly what's going on is in with them. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. But the movie doesn't, <laughs> I guess, for better or for worse, depending on how you feel about it, doesn't catch the viewer up. Uh, with the information you just realize that oh okay there's more to this than i've been led to believe but what that more is i don't know yeah you know so this is suddenly like okay well you can get in this machine go flip through a, rev- uh, a rotating door and then you're in the backwards world which is real neat he walks out and you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. puddles backwards and the bird is backwards and all that stuff cool sequence after a great car chase you get to see more of it again backwards I actually got felt a little weird walk, like walking coming out of that movie because he he was doing the I don't know there was some weird I think I have like a when I was a kid if I watched kung fu movies I just it, there was something inside of me that just wanted to really really wanted to do kung fu you know like immediately after it yeah of course and I think that it was similar in that I was just sitting there for a long time and you see all these like weird like you could imagine how weird it would be to like deal with this like backwards everything's kind of physics is backwards. And I was almost like walking. And anyway, it's, it was a slight thing in my brain that was convinced yeah. that it was in the same world. It so and it looked cool. <laughs> it looked cool and it looked it really sure interesting. Did, yeah. And I was frustrated for him trying to drive the car like that, but uh, not fully understanding. But you're in a place where you're going, okay, well, cool. I mean, I, from here till the end of the movie, I guess I'm going to get caught up. And you kind of don't get caught up. Yeah. And yeah. the movie makes some presumptuous <laughs> uh, 
gestures when it does things that you're, I guess what he was saying is like, they'll figure it out on the car ride home. Right. You know, cause, uh, <laughs> at first I was just flat out confused by things that maybe didn't throw a lot of other people. It's like, Oh, we're backwards. <gasps> I can't breathe. You know, he needs a mask and everything and he has to walk real funny. But then later on, it's like, oh, we got to travel back in time. So they're traveling back in time. And then they're in the past, but everyone's just walking around normal and not wearing masks, the people from the future. I was like, what the heck? So as I'm sitting there watching it, I'm going, oh, okay, because they're not going backwards. They already went backwards. Now they're there. You yeah, know what I, I mean? think it's, it's like, I think the, the future and past gets mixed in with going forward and backward, right? Like, you imagine time is going forward like we expect it to now and someone could be in here hearing us in reverse watching me not come here but leave here right and they'd be they'd be seeing time go backward like you could you could go in that room and get into the mode where you're actually your time is traveling in the opposite direction so you're seeing everything go backward but you could also wait until i before i got here go back in and then start going forward again. And now you're in the past going forward. Right. So it's like yeah. you can travel back and forth as well, yeah, that, well as Cause that's what they did. They yeah. went back, got on the boat and then switched to where they were going at the right time. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But it's actually, I mean, it seems to me, maybe I'm alone. This That seems like a big jump. It's like at first you're, they're just saying like we found objects that seem to have been inverted and they can move backwards for a limited time, I mean, like a split second, the time that it takes a bullet to travel from the barrel of a gun into this stone that they're yeah. shooting at, this weird stone formation for yeah. some reason. Uh, <laughs> and then it becomes like, oh, we can go backwards and forward in time at, well, forward at the normal rate. We can go backwards in time at our leisure as much as we want, whenever we want. And apparently they can close massive distances of time uh, you know, like almost Bill and Ted style by dialing it in because they're like not just going back to, oh, minutes ago, a car chase. Like he's he can walk to the car, drive it backwards in time and catch up with the car chase that he just did. Right. Then it becomes like a time that a, a lady in the movie described as presumably months prior. I was on a yacht and I saw this lady jump off the side of the yacht, you know, that right. whole thing. Like, so they can just go boop, 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 and travel months into the past, not taking months, presumably, you know, well, but some amount of time. Well, presumably somebody did it for hundreds of years. Someone from the future went hundreds of years back, back right, and planted that thing so the guy could find it. So, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It seems like a... It's almost like in Jurassic Park when they're like, hey, we got some dinosaur blood. It's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's kind of believable that could happen. So now we can make a baby dinosaur. What? No, you can't turn <laughs> blood into a dinosaur. There's this huge yeah. jump where they're like, they found some way to reverse entropy and like we can make a bullet go backwards. Oh, that's a really interesting concept. You know what? Never mind. We can go as far back into the past as we want and then get out and go forward again. It's just like it becomes real out there sci-fi uh, the way in a yeah, second. I, I interpreted it as they were sending the stuff back and then the the scientists reverse engineered it, used that what the the inverted stuff to figure out the technology to build the things. No, she didn't. She just that was stuff they found. They didn't send back machines though. For them to get it, they didn't send back the machines that they well, used. Well the, the lady at the beginning, what the heck was she just lying or 
Maybe she, she just, not know stuff. I don't think she knew stuff. I don't think she had that much clearance to understand yeah, yeah. that stuff. And I think part of it is also like, uh, what'd you say Robert Patterson's name was? Glenn? Neil. Larry. Um, part of it was, it's this delicate, you know, uh, Edward. John, you know, the protagonist, had has already done this. Like, while we're watching it, he's already done this. And so they know what he was allowed to know at each stage and they can't tell him until he, you know, so they're like, yeah, they're exposing him to that. And then the Robert Patterson has to be quiet. Can't say anything because he's worried about affecting the timeline. So he just has to pretend like he, you know, he can't tell him, he can't tell him that he ultimately John recruited him, which means sometime, you know, in the future, John's going to go probably even further back. And for all we know, he goes to the point that he is the one that understands how to construct these devices. He's the guy who orchestrates. Right, right. All yeah. Of so the the he's the bad guy. He's that lady. The realization <laughs> is that he is goes the main, in the future transitions. Yeah. Main guy. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. So it was just a matter of it seemed like oh there's there's these little evidence and then all of a sudden it just goes you know from zero to a hundred but I think it's more of what he's allowed to know. Oh, they're trying to preserve him because he's ultimately going to be the guy that. Yeah, fixes we'll everything. So my, I, I got again, that again like Bill and Ted. You're yeah. the great ones. We hate you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we can yeah. get there. He's like has to. We can confusedly get there. To me, one of the most confusing things was the motive of the whole thing. Like, I get the big bad guy was, he got the cancer, and they even said if he can't live, no one can. Kind of thing. So he's just gonna joker it, blow everybody up for the sake of blowing everybody up. Uh, but I still didn't understand why the people in the future we're sending this stuff back for them to destroy everything. Why didn't they just destroy it in their time? Why didn't they destroy what in their time? If they're everything. sending everything back to just destroy time itself, why? I think that they're, again, trying to reverse the flow of time to go the other way so that they can reverse entropy, essentially. So they're just like, the more stuff we can get going in that direction. <laughs> the Everything's got to go there eventually. Yeah, I think it's that like when you're moving and you put some stuff in your car and the rest of it's eventually <laughs> going to come on the <laughs> Right. I think that's the, I mean, that's the idea. Like, it's almost like, a, I think that the one will have to dominate and then eventually that will be the natural direction that time's going. Know, you know, I don't think that's it's right. A, um, but it's, it is pretty confusing. I think that still the biggest confusing part of it is who did the Russian guy find that stuff on accident and then is just using it to do whatever he wants where it was meant to help the people in our timeline go, you know, combat the people in the future or was the Russian guy recruited by the people? It almost seemed like he was recruited by the people. Like he had this whole, he knew exactly what to do with the thing. He had to destroy it, had to be linked to his, you know, life. Like he's the one that found it. But maybe but maybe now that I'm saying it out loud, he found the contract and maybe that, that piece of paper was telling him like, Hey, this device will help you combat the people I wish in the future. I read and the then contract. He used he used it for his own gains. I don't even remember a scene where it said there was the bad guy when he was little. When, yeah. well, he was digging for stuff and he found the big thing of gold. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. And he found like a metal enclosed, you know, something you know, industrial to keep papers from getting dirty, unclipped it, and inside was a, I think it might have been laminated. <laughs> and, uh, big technology. Some con- I don't know, like some kind of contract about the thing, or maybe it was like describing what it is he found. 
Um, so it could be that he was just a bad dude and decided to use it for his own gains. And, and then, and then also got to the point where he's like, in fact, I'm going to destroy the entire while I'm at it. I'm just going to be a comic book supervillain. Yeah. Here's my question Uh, on the way back. One thing we did have a big disagreement. I wish Liam was here to defend himself. Liam said he did not appreciate, uh, the protagonist's performance. Really? Yeah, and I th- I That's thought crazy. that was weird because I thought he was really cool. Yeah, I did too. And I was actually worried because I saw The Klansman. Is that what it was called? Black Klansman. The Black Klansman, where he was in it. He was a star. And I was underwhelmed by his for performance there. He was really like, really mellow. And to me, it seemed almost like, you know, he's just not acting. Or like, he's just not very expressive. It reminded me of Keanu Reeves or something. He was just like deadpan every scene. It's like, is that act? But uh, yeah, and then... I watched this and it was, he was great. He was really, I think someone, I think you said he was like pretty charismatic in it. Yeah. He had great yeah. charisma. He I made agree. himself into this kind of uh suave action hero, but with a, a real smarmy sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. He had a lot of quips that were really hilarious. I mean, when he cleans out those guys in the uh, kitchen of that restaurant, that was really thrilling. Yeah. That was cool. And then later on the, the kind of back and forth he had with the villain, was actually really hilarious. The villain gives this oh, yeah. calculated monologue about all the horrible things. They're going to cut off your balls and put them in your throat and all this stuff. And he was just like, well, it sounds really elaborate. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's like, he had a lot of one-liners. He was like, oh, need some hot sauce. Yeah, he yeah. Couldn't, couldn't be shaken. He was great. He yeah, had, he had that excellent. scene was cool where he in the back where he was fighting. I think what was kind of distinct about it was it's like it looked real, but he also looked really confident, you know, he was just like, there was this moment where he's like holding a thing in his hand and he's just like, you know, really deliberately hitting the guys. He like tries to hit them. Like, he's just like, boom, <laughs> boom. Like it's, I can't depict it, but he's like really confidently beating these dudes up. Like it was nothing. It yeah. Was cool. He picked up a cheese grater. That seemed worrisome for a second. <laughs> I did. It <laughs> <Yeah>. really did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the scene I'm talking about. He's like hitting the guy with the cheese grater, but it sounded, it seemed like he was very like almost playing with the guy. Yeah. All in all, it's a great experience. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I think I don't think this will be a divisive movie. I think people will like it and have the same questions and problems with it we did, but not be bothered by it. So I'm yeah. not bothered by these. Yeah, me things. neither. I think, like I said, it's unlike Inception, where I just there's just this fundamental weirdness about it that you're like seems. I, I remember seemed kind of unsolvable or you were just at the end you're like i guess he's either stuck or he's not and that's either <laughs> it's either hopeless or it's not i don't know but th- this is like the only it's like it was fun to try to reproduce or like reconstruct what it was that was happening and you knew you know that there's some type of um logical somewhat logical you know plot you yeah. just need to catch all the words <laughs> yeah you feel like you're getting there and then at the yeah. end you're like oh well, did we get there did i miss it i don't know yeah, and it's, a, it's actually a testament to his uh, prowess as a filmmaker that, you know, we've talked, actually the three of us have talked before about how impressive it is to have these movies that are not just bottle movies, but they're like severely confined, like a movie like uh, the freaking phone booth movie or the buried that take place in a single sets in some cases, like a single stifled environment, a coffin or a phone booth or whatever. Um how impressive that is that like you can really make that entertaining. It's similarly, I think a testament to like uh, confusing the viewer is usually a bad idea 
confusing the viewer like a, e- even like a screenwriting or f- fiction writing 101 they're like you never want to make the reader or the viewer feel dumb that you, right. you know, you're the viewer and the reader needs to feel more intelligent than the characters in the film they need to know more than them so that they can feel like they're part of the story and they can understand where it's going and go with it um, and obviously there are certain types of fiction that deviate that from that in a huge way, like a David Lynch movie where you're just like, whatever, everything's <laughs> yeah. totally freaking weird. Um, but this is uh, writing a line where you're like, you, you're pushing the confusing elements to the degree that it could become really tedious. And you start right. to get like, I don't freaking get it anymore. So this is not fun. Um, and all that's left is like an empty spectacle, like stuff's blowing up, but that's not really enough to keep you engaged. But the confusing stuff was engaging. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Not knowing somehow didn't become, at least for me, and it sounds like you guys, it didn't become tedious. It was, uh, yeah. it was entertaining. And I left like with an excited thumbs up about the movie and was ready to admit, like, I don't think I got it. And I'm not even totally convinced that it was because it was mysterious on purpose. I think there's probably some gaps in there, you know? Uh, but it was great. The yeah. whole thing was really great. That's like pretty impressive that you can pull off a movie that was never boring, was really engaging. Uh, and I didn't really understand yeah, yeah, a lot that's of good, the That's a good point. So yeah. Acknowledge that. And I, I really liked all the characters, uh, all the actors. Robert Pattinson just going to be like one of the coolest actors ever. He's like Lighthouse and then Tenet and <laughs> Devil All the Time and Batman. He's it's it's cool when we'll people change their like, pers- you know, their pers- or like their public when people hate somebody or they're lame and then they just change it. And then yeah, like Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, or yeah. Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see Tenet? Is there an open theater near you? Do you feel strongly one way or the another about a theater being open or not open? People seem to have opinions about those kinds of things these days. If you're one of them, leave a comment on this episode at youhatemovies.com. While you're at it, you can just litter youhatemovies.com with all kinds of opinions on all kinds of episodes. And while you're there, you might as well listen to those episodes, subscribe to the podcast. And if you didn't realize this already, there are more episodes of You Hate Movies than you even realized, 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 at patreon.com slash movies, you can bypass a cup of coffee that month and get a couple of extra You Hate Movies episodes. Think about it. 